Amen. If you have your Bible, open up to the 46th Psalm. Psalm 46. We'll be looking at the entirety of the Psalm this morning as we conclude today our new sermon series, recent sermon series, Grace Habits. We've kind of talked a little bit about uh, walking with the Lord Jesus. We're finishing that up today, and we'll be kicking off, Lord willing, next Sunday, 2 Samuel. So we got done with 1 Samuel earlier this year, and we'll be uh, beginning 2 Samuel uh, next week. So I hope you'll uh, look forward to that. If you have your little scripture notebooks, you want to take notes, then you'll you'll want to bring that back. If you don't have one, I think we still have some here at the church. So if you want a scripture notebook to take notes in, those are available, or you'll want to bring yours back because it's first and second Samuel. Well, if you have your Bibles open there, why don't you stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. The psalmist writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, In such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to us. Beginning verse 1, this may sound familiar to you. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters His voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come. Behold the works of the Lord, how He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Let's pray together. Oh God, would you even now open our hearts and minds to receive your word. And God, I pray we would be changed by your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I did it just this week. I do it all the time. And I would almost guarantee that you do the same thing. Uh, it's become such a habit for so many of us. It's the way we talk. It's the way we greet one another, in fact. Someone comes up to you and says, hey, uh, so good to see you. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. How are y'all doing? What do you say? You say, we're doing really well. Things are great. Just busy. Don't you? Every time we talk, we're just busy. We're just running around from thing to thing. There's just a lot going on i'll tell you i'm allergic to slowing down i i like to be busy i hate being still um folks up here in the choir sometimes tell me i'm probably gonna have to have knee surgery one day because i'm always moving my feet around and my legs and i'm I'm doing all these different kinds of things all the time i always feel like i should be doing more and i always feel like i should be doing something else does ever feel like that Always just got a low-grade fever of guilt, no matter what it is that I'm doing. I ought to be doing something else. 
I feel like time being still. I, I feel like unhurried time. I feel like unplanned time is wasted time. I don't know if you feel like that or not, but I feel that way a lot. I feel that burden often. In fact, I drive everybody insane on vacation. We need to have some plans. We've, we've spent all this money. We're dedicating all this time. We better do something while we're resting. John Mark Comer tells a story. He's an author. He tells a story about one of his mentors named John Ortberg having a conversation with one of his mentors named Dallas Willard, who's a well-known author, all these Guys are well-known authors, and he says, uh, John Ortberg asked Dallas Willard, how do I become the me I want to be? That's a good question, isn't it? How do I become the me I want to be? Dallas Willard's answer was this, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And John Ortberg then asked the question that we are probably all going to ask as well. Well, what else besides that? Dallas Willard said this, there is nothing else. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. A long time ago, centuries ago, another Christian thinker named Blaise Pascal said something similar. I have often said that the sole cause of man's unhappiness is that he does not know how to stay quietly in his room. We've talked about the blessing of knowing God. The benefit of hearing his word, studying his word. We've talked about the power of prayer. We've talked about the blessing of Christian community. How much of these things, knowing God, hearing his word, praying, having a Christian fellowship, Christian community, how many of these are difficult for us because we cannot be still? Because we spend our time hurrying. As I preach today, I want you to know, I don't mean that you have to quit doing things. I don't think that you need to have to pull your kids out of all the extracurriculars. I don't think you have to get a new job. I don't think you have to break up with all your friends. You have to stop traveling or whatever else it may sound like I'm trying to say. Um, you guys are going to see me busy one day and be like, you hypocrite. That's not what I mean. What I do mean and what I think... I'm calling us to, and calling myself to, and I think the Scripture calls us to, is that all of us must ask whether or not we are hurrying and distracting ourselves in such a way that we are never still before God. That we, we never have moments of stillness. We never have moments of stopping. I'm not saying you shouldn't be busy. I think it's good to work. I think it's good to do good things. I think it's good to enjoy the life God's given us. Don't mishear me. Please, please keep going. But I do think we need to evaluate whether or not it's become so normal to be busy and so normal to be hurried that our distractions are making it in such a way that we are never still before God or perhaps we are so distracted and we're so hurried and we're so busy because we want to avoid being still before God. If we are going to have deep, meaningful walks with the Lord Jesus Christ, we must learn to be still. We must learn to be unhurried. And this morning, from this text of Scripture, I want to show you three keys, three truths that will help you develop a still heart, a heart that can be still before the Lord. Ways, things that will motivate you to have a still heart in the midst 
of the hurriedness and busyness of the lives we live and the lives we lead. You can't put that cat back in the bag, can you? Well, here's what we can do. We can have hearts that can be still before the Lord and find the priority in the Word of God to have still time before the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the first. Three keys to a still heart. Point number one. A still heart trusts in God's power. A heart that can be still before the Lord trusts in God's power. Here's the truth, brothers and sisters. It is impossible to be still if we are trusting in our own power. It's impossible to be still if we're trusting in our own power. You've sang it already, or at least heard it sung. God is, verse 1, our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Friends, if we're going to trust God's power, we have to trust God's power in every circumstance. We can't say there are times we will and times we won't. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Therefore, we will not fear. I'll tell you, a lot of my own restlessness over the years, macro restlessness and micro restlessness, Restlessness in big things and small things. A lot of that has boiled down to fearfulness. Fearfulness. Being afraid. I don't know about you. I sometimes have what people call imposter syndrome. I'm afraid sometimes. I think one of these days they're all going to figure out that I don't really have it all together. Surely you know that by now. I've been here 11 years. You get up to preach, and you're like, man, I, I just can't believe they're here to listen, <laughs> you know? And so sometimes our restlessness can be rooted even in a fear, uh, a fear of making sure it's clear we belong where we are. We work harder. We go at it harder. We make sure there's not one moment that's not clearly contributing to whatever it is that we feel like we need to be contributing to to make sure it's clear that we are where we belong, we find ourselves afraid. So much of it is fearfulness. But here's the reality. If we wait, notice what he says we won't be afraid of. Therefore, we will not fear. If that's who God is, we will not fear. Even though the earth gives way, verse 2, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. No matter what happens, if God is our refuge and strength, we will not fear. That's what the psalmist is saying. No matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's happening around us, we will not be afraid because of who God is and what God does. If we wait until things are smooth and perfect, to be still before the Lord. When will we do it? If we wait until it's an easy time or a convenient time to be still before the Lord, we will never do it. And will we ever find peace? Let me ask you this question. Will we ever find peace from fearfulness and worry? 
if we do not take unhurried time to spend with the Lord. If we wait until there's nothing to fear to be still, will we ever be still before the Lord? And will we ever find peace from fearfulness and worry if we do not take unhurried time to spend with the Lord? In other words, what's keeping you from stillness? The only remedy for that is stillness before the Lord, dwelling in the very presence of God. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. When you ask yourself, why, why, when I ask myself, why do I, why do I have such a hard time stopping to spend time with the Lord? And I'll, I'll think, goodness gracious, well, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. I don't have time just to pray. I need to be loving my people. I need to be preparing for a sermon. I need to be working on this. I need to be finishing that. Probably need to exercise somewhere in there. I need to be taking advantage of this. I need to be doing this with my family. There's things to do. And on top of all that, look at the urgency of the mission we have in the world, the way it is. <laughs> but let's be honest. Let's say the earth is giving way. And the mountains are falling into the heart of the sea. And the waters are roaring and swelling. And the mountains are trembling. And you say, look at all this that's going on. I can't spend time with the Lord. I don't have time to be still before the Lord. Look at all that's going on. If all that's going on, what can you really do anyway? What are you really going to do? Could it be that the time that we spend frenetically running from thing to thing, when we really think we're making a difference, perhaps we would make more of a difference if we centered our lives and hearts around time with the Lord Jesus Christ. A deep, unhurried walk with Jesus. All of us must honestly ask ourselves this question, is my frenetic life and inability to be still partially owed to the fact that I am trusting in my own power rather than God's? That I believe if it's going to get done, I must do it. But you might have seen the meme of the sweet lady singing, if God don't do it, it won't get done. Spend time with the Lord. Find yourself transformed by the beauty of being near to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I really believe you will begin to have your faith and trust in the power of God strengthened by being in His presence. And it will lead to a serenity and a peace and a stillness in your heart in the midst of a world gone crazy. A world gone awry. My, my friends, a still heart trusts in God's power. Second of all, a still heart dwells in God's presence. A still heart trusts in God's power, but second of all, a still heart dwells in God's presence. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. Notice this first thing that the psalmist tells us here when it begins to talk about when he begins to talk about God's presence. The first thing we notice here is that God's presence gives us joy. God's presence gives us joy. Here's the reality. Joy centers our life and it gives us the ability to dwell 
in God. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. Joy keeps us from restlessly searching for the next thing to satisfy us. So often that's what we're really doing. That's why we can't be still before the Lord, because we really don't believe that He will give us joy. Why is it we are working so hard? Why is it that we're going from one thing to the next so frenetically? Why is it that we feel like we cannot stop to rest, to be still? Well, deep down inside, if we're really gut-level honest with ourselves, it's because we believe those things will give us joy. That there's greater joy in those things. But there is not greater joy in those things. That There is not greater joy in those things. In fact, I believe if we were to dwell in God's presence, if we were to genuinely walk closely with Jesus and take time to be still before the Lord, we would find ourselves no longer restlessly searching for the next thing to satisfy us, but instead we would find true joy in all the things we're already doing. It's only through our walk with the Lord that we can truly do that. That we can find genuine joy in our work. That we can find genuine joy in our family. I really believe so many of us feel such a burden. Such a burden. Because we feel like, perhaps this is borrowing a little from the first point, but I think it applies here as well. Because we feel like so many things are so ultimately dependent on us. But I want you to understand, when we start to live like that, our joy is robbed of us. Our joy in the good gifts that God has given us is robbed when we see ourselves as the center of those things rather than God Himself. But my friends, when we dwell in God's presence, when we wean ourselves off of feeling like we have to run from thing to thing all the time and we stop to be in the presence of God, we can start to find fresh joy in Jesus and fresh joy in all those things that He has called us to do. They go from being burdens to being things that belong to Him and that He allows us to be a part of. There's another thing God's presence does. Not only does it give us joy, but it also stabilizes us. It stabilizes us. Notice what the Bible tells us in verses 5 and 6. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. She shall not be moved even when the world is going crazy around her. Even when it seems like things couldn't be worse. And here's the reality. When things are not going well, we tend to want to jump into the fray. We, we tend to say, now is my moment. Now listen, I think Christians ought to be people of action. I think we ought to be ready to jump in the fray when the, it's time to jump into the fray. But here's the reality. There is so much static and vitriol and anger talking about the problems in the world. Couldn't the world use a good dose of stability? But people who are anchored... <laughs> People who stand on what's right and what's good with joy no matter what. Not people who are always checking to see which, wind the, which way the wind is blowing. No, God's presence stabilizes us 
even when the world is raging and tottering. You see, I believe with all my heart that a rich inner life, stability, what one author calls a non-anxious presence, is one of the most important aspects of Christian witness in the world we live in. I want to say it like this. Please be careful not to spend all your time as you find yourself fearful and concerned and worried about the way the world is tottering about the way the world is raging. Please be careful not to be frenetic and shrill, not to constantly be worried, not to constantly be wringing your hands because the presence of God brings joy, but it also brings stability. We trust the Lord. Let me put it like this. Christians are not chicken little. We are not the people who run around all the time screaming that the sky is falling. We have to be so careful about that. Why? Because one day it will fall. One day the heavens will open and the Lord Jesus will return. We, we believe in an apocalypse. And so if we spend all our time talking about little a apocalypses, what it does is it shrouds the reality of what we really believe in, that Jesus will return, that he will open up the heavens, that he will make all things right and new, that he will judge all people. We must live knowing in that reality that that is coming. And so we must be stable and anchored and have a deep and rich inner life because you have access to the living God. You can truly and genuinely walk with Him. You can know Him. I want to say it like this. Stability is a gift that Christians can give to the world thanks to the presence of God. Do our lives, do our lives say the same thing our mouths say? What do our mouths say? I believe God created the world. We believe the world fell into sin. We believe God sent His Son into the world to die for our sins so that we can genuinely know God. and We can have hope in the midst of a fallen world. No matter what happens, we know and trust that Jesus is going to make all things right and all things new. And that even if we die, we'll go to be with Him and that He will raise our bodies from the dead one day. Do our lives reflect the sort of stability that that truth ought to reflect? Or do our lives reflect a sort of worldliness? A sort of concern about every single thing that looks just like the world's concern, just with a little bit of Jesus sprinkled in. Uh, brothers and sisters, a still heart dwells in God's presence. Notice what verse 7 says. It's beautiful. The psalmist says this in verse 7 and in verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It makes it a lot easier to be still when the God of the armies of heaven is with you. It makes it a lot easier to be still when your presence, when God's presence is a fortress for you. Are you living that way? As if no matter what's going on outside the world, God's presence is a fortress. Nothing can get you. Nothing can touch you. Apart from the very will of God, He's protecting you. God's presence is the key to our ability to be still. Finally, not only does a still heart dwell in God's presence, not only does a still heart trust in God's power, but finally, a still heart hopes in God's purpose. 
A still heart hopes in God's purpose. What helps us to be still? More than the knowledge that God has a purpose in all things. That God is working all of history toward His own purpose in the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what the Bible says, beginning verse 8. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. This is a a prophecy. This is pointing out into the future. Only God can do this. Only God can bring this sort of cease. This is the psalmist speaking to these nations that totter and rage. He's saying, come and look at what God is doing among his people in this city of God. Properly, as this psalm is being written, he's talking about the city of God, Jerusalem. But now we know that the city of God is truly a kingdom all over the world. He's building it through His Son, Jesus Christ. We hope and know and believe that God's purpose is to bring peace into the world. But notice the psalmist doesn't start there, stop there. He says, be still and know that I am God. He says this to these raging and tottering nations. Come and be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. He is saying not only to these other nations, but to Israel herself. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. God will be exalted in all the world. We look out in the world sometimes and we think, man, this world is dark. This world is struggling. And I don't mean just here in the United States of America. I mean all over the world. You hear the news and you see the things that are happening. You say, this is a challenging world to live in. There's many people that are in a difficult place. But where's our hope? Our hope is that God will bring peace. Our hope is that God will be exalted among the nations. Where does this peace come from? This exaltation among the nations, what is the source of it? What is the psalmist believing will happen? We know that he is speaking here that a Messiah would come and do these things, that God would do these things through a chosen one. And we know as Christians that that chosen one, that anointed one, that Messiah of God is our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you see the way that in a dark world the gospel still goes forth? God is being exalted among the nations, even in this room right now. We are the nations. We are a place far away from where God dwelled in the city of Jerusalem. And the gospel is going forth here. And do you see the way that God brings peace all over the world? While we still hope for those things even more fully fulfilled in the future. Brothers and sisters, if you trust Jesus, and I believe you do, and if you don't this morning, I believe you should. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, if you trust Jesus, you hope in God's purpose. If you trust Jesus, you hope in God's purpose. You can see by faith. This plan of the ages which God unfurled that the psalmist and the other authors of the Old Testament can only speak about, you know in full through what Jesus has done, you hope in God. You hope in God's purposes. And who in the world can still our hearts? Who can still our hearts? Our hearts that are troubled. Our hearts that are worried. Our hearts that are anxious 
Our hearts that are restless. Our hearts that are dissatisfied. Our hearts that are focused on themselves. Our hearts that feel like the mountains are being thrown into the sea. That they're quaking. That the seas are roaring and foaming. Who can still that heart like our Lord Jesus Christ? Who can speak and the wind and the waves obey the sound of His voice? Will you be still before God? What does it boil down to? It boils down to whether or not we will live like God is God. I sang a real beautiful anthem earlier. God is our refuge and strength. There's another one we sing a lot that simply says, Have you not heard, do you not know, our God is God. Have you not heard? Do you not know? Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. And that God that we should know, this Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of heaven, He is with us, verse 7 tells us. He is with us, verse 11 tells us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We're protected by Him. But pastor, I can't be still. There's too much going on that's depending on me using my power. And if I'm down in the hull of the boat, while the storm is raging, people are going to wonder where I am and why I'm not there. The God of hosts, the God of armies, the God of infinite power. Theologians use the word omnipotent for God's power. There is no limit to the power of God. He is with you. You can trust in His power. In fact, you should. Uh, Pastor, I can't be still. My heart is too anxious and worried and troubled. The Lord of hosts is with us. He's with us and His presence will give us peace. Pastor, I cannot be still. Things are too uncertain. I'm too worried about the future. There are things to do. The God who is faithful to Abraham, Isaac, and yes, indeed, the very God of Jacob. He was so faithful to them and he is faithful now. And we know how wonderfully faithful he has been because he gave us his only son, Jesus Christ. And no matter how uncertain the future seems, God has a plan. God has a purpose and his purpose stands. And when God makes promises, it's as if they're already fulfilled. He will accomplish what he says he will accomplish. God has a purpose. God is powerful. God gives us His presence. My friends, won't you be still? Won't you be still and know that He, not you, not me, that He is God. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never Put your trust and faith in Jesus. Today, I believe with all my heart that God 
If you put your faith in Jesus, turn from your sins and repentance, turn to God in faith, God will be your refuge and strength, your present help in time of trouble. You can enter into the very presence of God today by faith in Jesus. Turn from your sins and repentance. Turn to God in faith. You will be saved. If you want someone to talk to, it would be my joy to talk to you, but right where you are, you can do business with the Lord. Second of all, you may say a believer, and you may say, Pastor, I just need some moments to pray. I need a friend to pray with me. I need you to pray with me right where you are. Any pew here where your friend is sitting, right down here at this altar, I'll be waiting on you. If you need someone to pray with you or you just need some time with the Lord by yourself, take this time to do business with the Lord. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. What a joy it would be for me today to talk to you about what it means to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together.